0: News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. The government moves to reopen theme parks and resume conventions and exhibitions. People will start receiving the government's $10,000 cash handout in one month's time. And a Beijing official says new national security laws will give people here more freedom, not take it away. The administration is pushing ahead with the next phase of reopening the economy from its coronavirus restrictions. Hong Kong's two theme parks are to reopen soon, conventions and exhibitions will restart next month, and officials are also considering opening up specific travel corridors to enable Hong Kongers to fly to specific destinations that are deemed to be winning the fight against COVID 19. Here's the Commerce and Economic Development Chief,
1: Edward Yao. Wherever possible, we need to revive revitalize the economy, allowing normal business to go on, be they sort of a business promotion, convention exhibition, or tourism starting at home. The government has announced that
0: people can start receiving their $10,000 handouts from July the 8th. Applications start on the 21st, and those who choose to get the money electronically transferred into their bank accounts will get the payments first. Those who want cheques can apply through the post office, but they'll take a bit longer to get their money. Here's at the financial secretary, Paul Chan.
2: The fastest way to, to get the money from the government is to apply for electronic registration via your bankers, to receive the money full direct transfer into the account. This is the fastest way.
0: The Deputy Director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Zhang Xiaoming, says that the new national security law will give people here more freedom, not less. In a keynote speech to an online basic law seminar, Mr Zhang rebuffed rumours that the new legislation would allow mainland officials to bring people accused of national security crimes across the border for trial. He said such rumours stem from people's lack of trust and understanding of the rule of law on the mainland. He gave assurances that the proposed law will, as he put it, give more room to one country, two systems and offer people more
1: freedom. For the majority of citizens, the legislation will give them more protection. They can be free from the fear of violence. They can ride the train and go shopping freely. They can speak the truth on the street without the fear of being beaten up. In particular, they will no longer have to worry about young people being brainwashed into breaking the law on impulse and leaving lifelong criminal records. There will be hope in Hong Kong's future. The Civil
0: Service Secretary Patrick Nipp is standing by his remarks over the weekend that government workers have dual identities serving both the SAR and China because Hong Kong is a special administrative region of China. He spoke during an RTHK radio programme this morning.
1: We can't just look at problems from a local point of view, thinking about the S E O and nothing else, or even be hostile or resistant to the mainland. This will lead to huge problems. Also, when we think about policy and problems under the one country, two systems principle, we will think not just about Hong Kong's development, but also how the country's development can benefit Hong Kong and how our progress can help the country. He also
0: urged civil servants to be careful when voicing their opinions online, saying they shouldn't lead people to think they oppose government policies. A former deputy secretary for economic services, Elizabeth Boccia, says Mr Nip's remarks aren't helpful at all.
3: I think it will just be a cause of great confusion, which is very sad at a time when there's already a lot of alarm and concern about the implications of the introduction of a national security law. It seems to me that our chief executive and her team should be bending over backwards to, to reassure the community and the civil service in particular that they can put their hearts at ease as to what this is going to mean for them, not, not creating new issues and new sources of potential confusion.
0: The activist investor David Webb has revealed that he's been diagnosed with a prostate cancer which has spread to his bones. Investigations into corporate governance by the fifty four year old have led to some of Hong Kong's biggest financial probes. But in a statement, Mr. Webb says he will publish fewer articles and stop issuing in depth investigations for his website as he now has to reprioritize and give less time to the public good. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past eleven. The legal sector lawmaker Dennis Quark has demanded answers from Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng after she said the national security law Beijing is preparing for Hong Kong could be applied retroactively in certain situations. At the weekend, the minister said that as a matter of principle, criminal charges are not to be laid retrospectively. But there are always some exceptions in relation to treaty and customary international law. Mr. Quark wants to know exactly what these exceptions are. On what basis could she be so sure about her stance? On what basis could she assure the Hong Kong people that the basic human rights and
2: our legal system will not be compromised? So if she doesn't even know the contents of the draft law, shouldn't she wait until she's seen the contents of the draft law before she gives these so-called assurances to the Hong Kong people, which is nothing, empty assurances, because she doesn't know anything about
0: the law. Organisers of a number of planned rallies on Friday say they'll delay the protest by a week until a day after the government's ban on public gatherings is due to be lifted. The Hong Kong civil assembly team is looking to mark the one-year anniversary of chaotic protests outside the government headquarters when unrest stopped the legislature from debating a controversial extradition law and police fired tear gas, rubber bullets and beanbag rounds to disperse the crowd. The group is planning a main rally at Tamar Park, while other smaller gatherings will take place across the SAR. Spokesman Ventus Lau said he's not worried that the protests will be affected by a proposed new national security law.
2: Our assembly is solely a
3: local issue, solely a voice by Hong Kongers to the Hong Kong local government.
1: What is the national security law concerning about? So I think it would do nothing to our future application on assemblies and rallies. And I believe Hong Kongers will never surrender to such evil law. We believe that if they pass the law, it will only cause even more people to come out and to join in our rally. The
0: president of the Legislative Council, Andrew Leung, has imposed a new rule banning lawmakers from locking their desk drawers inside the chamber. The LegCo Secretariat said the move is meant to allow for inspections and cleaning after several opposition lawmakers attempted to disrupt proceedings using foul-smelling items over the last couple of weeks. The Housing Authority has been urged to freeze rents for the next two years to help low-income tenants through the economic downturn. Under the authority's rent-setting formula, rents are due to rise by 9% in September speaking at the authorities annual meeting housing secretary frank chan said the government had offered relief measures for tenants including waiving rent for two months but the democratic party lawmaker andrew wan who is a member of the authority
4: says that the waivers are not enough The previously provided two-month rent wave is only a one-off subsidy to the public housing tenants. In such financial difficulty caused by the shutdown of Hong Kong economy, a long-term and systematic assistance is utmost important right now. Uh, We are talking about the most deprived and uh, vulnerable group financially of the local society. Most of those unemployed citizens are grassroots and a large portion of them live in public housing.
0: Thousands more school children went back to class today for the first time in months in the second phase of the government's school resumption plan. Pupils in Primary 4 through to Form 2 went back to campus today. And as Priscilla Ng reports, schools put in place special hygiene measures to minimise the risk of any coronavirus infections.
4: All
5: students had to pass temperature checks and sanitize their hands before they were allowed in. For most, it's a minor inconvenience. Many told RTHK they've missed their classmates and are happy to be back. And it's not just the kids who feel relieved. One parent said her house had been like a zoo, with her daughter constantly messing around and refusing to go to sleep until late. There were similar scenes across Hong Kong as students returned, including at schools near the coronavirus hit like Yuna State and Shantin, despite concerns about a cluster of local infections there. (laughs) Students in the area told us they will be extra cautious about personal hygiene by keeping their masks on at all times and washing hands regularly.
0: Hong Kong recorded one new imported case of Covid-19 today, bringing the total to 1,107. The latest case involves a 34-year-old woman who returned from Pakistan late last month. She developed a cough on Saturday and has been taken to a hospital for treatment. A 50-year-old cleaning worker has been convicted of obstructing police during an anti-extradition protest last August. Maggie Howe has more.
4: Protests broke out all over Hong Kong on the 5th of August last year. And in Shem Shui Po, black-clad demonstrators set up barricades at the intersection of Chau Street and Ran Road. The Kowloon City Court heard that during the unrest that night, a police sergeant was about to question a teenager said to have shouted insults at officers. The prosecution said that's when the defendant, 50-year-old Ho Eng Leng, dashed out and stood between the two with open arms before telling the teenager to run away. The teen took off and the cleaner worker was then pinned down, arrested and charged. He later told police he was just walking home after dinner when he was suddenly arrested. But the magistrate rejected his account, saying video footage captured by officers at the scene showed he ran towards the sergeant, who was moving towards the teenager. Sentencing has been adjourned to next Friday, pending a background and a community service report. The defendant has been remanded in custody.
0: Police have arrested a teenager and a 52-year-old relative for allegedly making or possessing explosives. They're accused of possessing a large quantity of hydrogen peroxide, a mild antiseptic and bleaching agent that can also be used to make homemade bombs. Lawmakers across the political spectrum have accused the government of failing to make full use of a scheme to encourage more NGOs to build new or bigger facilities for elderly people and rehabilitation services. The Special Sites scheme was launched in 2013 and allows NGOs to redevelop or expand premises on their own land. But in the seven years since, only five projects have been completed. The pro-establishment DAB joined their pro-democracy rivals in criticising the government over the slow progress. But the Labour and Welfare Secretary, Lord Chi Kwong, told them through an interpreter that the initiative is led by the NGOs, not the government.
3: You need to understand the study is not the government's responsibility, the land belongs to the NGO. The NGO made a proposal and submitted to the SWD. We receive the town planning, we consult with town planning and land's department and submitted our opinion back to the NGO. So then they might change their minds, it takes more time.
0: Overseas now, India has begun the most significant easing of coronavirus restrictions since the start of its lockdown, despite a surge in the number of cases. Confirmed infections have risen above a quarter of a million. The BBC's Elektra Smith reports.
6: India's infection numbers are now in the world's top five. Cases in the state of Maharashtra alone have surpassed China, where the pandemic began. Each day is seeing a record spike, but with the economy taking a battering, the government is pressing ahead with the easing of restrictions. Shopping malls, places of worship, offices and restaurants are all reopening. Containment areas in some cities will stay shut, and individual states can decide precisely what will open and impose their own rules. But with more than seven thousand people now dead, there are concerns the disease is spreading
0: unchecked. A majority of members of Minneapolis City Council in the United States have promised to dismantle its police department. The move follows the death of an unarmed African American man, George Floyd, in police custody two weeks ago, which sparked widespread protests. Nine of the council's 13 members said they would work with the community to create a new system of public safety. The council president, Lisa Bender, read a statement to hundreds of demonstrators.
1: Our commitment is to do what's necessary to keep every single member of our community safe and to tell the truth that the Minneapolis police are not doing that. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department, to end policing as we know it, and to recreate... Systems of public safety that actually
5: keep us safe.
0: Adrian Florido is a reporter for National Public Radio.
1: This is something that black activists in the city of Minneapolis have actually been advocating for for many years, but that really only in the last couple of weeks and really in the last few days in the aftermath of of these protests, that they have gotten a more receptive audience. The decision really was kind of whiplash, even for a lot of these black activists, who hadn't expected such a willing reception, a positive reception to the proposal from the city council itself.
0: A reminder of our top stories tonight. The government moves to reopen theme parks and resume conventions and exhibitions. People will start receiving a $10,000 cash handout in one month, and a Beijing official says new national security laws will give people here more freedom, not take it away. The news from RTHK.
5: RTHK 3.
0: It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's NewsRup programme. The government's moving on to the next phase of reopening the city from coronavirus restrictions. Hong Kong's two theme parks are to reopen soon. Conventions and exhibitions will resume next month. And officials are also considering opening up specific travel corridors to enable Hong Kongers to fly to specific destinations that are deemed to be winning the fight against COVID-19. Richard Pine reports
2: social distancing rules bans on public gatherings and mandatory quarantine arrangements remain in place for now but steps are being taken to try and restart the city's flagging economy commerce and economic development chief edward yao says since the coronavirus epidemic appears to be under control here there's every reason to lift these restrictions as long as public health is guaranteed
1: wherever possible we need to revive revitalize the economy, allowing normal business to go on, be they business promotion, convention exhibition, or tourism starting at home. Mr. Yao
2: says the city's two theme parks will reopen soon, with Ocean Park to welcome visitors from this Saturday. Rules banning public gatherings of more than eight people won't apply inside the park, but park capacity will be halved, guests will have their temperatures checked, and are required to wear face masks. The chairman of the Hong Kong Tourism Board, Dr. Pang Yu Kai, says people have been itching to visit attractions and he has no doubt there'll be plenty of visitors. I think um, this will be great news to a lot of Hong Kong people, a lot of Hong Kong families, families of young children teens and uh, even adults and those who are young at heart will find a lot to uh, to to enjoy uh, for a day out at Ocean Park. So I I have no concern that um Ocean Park uh, will not be able to to bring in uh, local tourists. if anything I'm I'm afraid there'll be lots of queues because people will be <laughs> going there and enjoying themselves. Dr. Pang says there will also be other schemes rolled out to promote local attractions and hotels. A lot of families are saying, what do I do with my kids during the summer? Normally we promise them a trip somewhere uh, in, in the summer. Maybe they can't go yet. And so
1: we are offering options with the trade, the hotels, the restaurants and, 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 and attractions to create these experiences for Hong Kong families so that they can enjoy a few days away away from
2: Hong Kong but in Hong Kong. And there are a lot of things that they can do and will do in Hong Kong. Edward Yao says there are also plans in the pipeline to boost trade and says conventions and exhibitions will return to the city in July, with the annual Hong Kong Book Fair being the first. In the longer term, the minister revealed that there have been discussions about so-called travel bubbles and travel corridors to allow people to travel to specific destinations and to welcome their residents here.
1: We have been asked by some government to see if Hong Kong is interested in joining such discussion. We're also knocking on doors of uh, some government where we see their fight against the epidemic has achieved some early success, but we will be highly selective. But Mr.
2: Yao says he has no crystal ball and can't give any indication about when people will be able to start travelling for holidays again.
0: The Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nip, is standing by his remarks that government workers have dual identities, serving both the SAR and China. He also warned public sector workers to be careful about posting their opinions online. A former deputy secretary for economic services, Elizabeth Boscher, told Anna-Marie Evans that the dual identities concept put forward by the minister was puzzling and would cause confusion among civil servants. Well, I think um,
3: like many of the representatives of civil service unions, it's, it's a rather puzzling concept. It's a little akin to saying that before 1997, I, as a a former civil servant in the administrative service, was a member also of the British civil service, not just the Hong Kong civil service, which was a complete nonsense. It was made very clear to me that my responsibility was to the then colonial Hong Kong government and to the governor and that um, my work was primarily to formulate policies in the interests of the good governance of Hong Kong people.
6: So what do you feel that it means for the 180,000 government officers when they're doing their jobs? Do you feel that the two roles are compatible?
3: Well, I think it will just be a cause of great confusion, which is very sad at a time when there's already a lot of alarm and concern about the implications of the introduction of a national security law. It seems to me that our chief executive and her team should be bending over backwards to to reassure the community and the civil service in particular that they can put their hearts at ease as to what this is going to mean for them, not, not creating new issues and new sources of potential confusion.
6: Now public officers, can they actually oppose government policies once they're formulated, even in their personal capacity?
3: No, I mean, it's very clear that they can't do that. I mean, the role of the civil service is to um, put forward proposal, policy proposals or to formulate policy proposals for consideration by ministers and their political aides. And once decisions have been made on those policies, it's their responsibility to, uh, responsibility to implement them. That's always been the case. I mean, this is where the element of political neutrality comes in because... um it's very important that, that civil servants don't let their personal political views or considerations to, um, to either to enter into their recommendations or indeed to, um, to affect the way they implement them afterwards. And certainly it's not open to them to, to criticise those decisions um, in, in public afterwards. They, they have to be loyal to, to that decision-making process.
6: Now we're going, returning to this idea of the dual roles of civil servants. I mean, you're saying about the amount of confusion it will cause. What, as a former senior civil servant, what would your advice to civil servants be?
3: Well, I think it's quite right that they should demand absolute clarity as to what to what this means. As I said j- just now, in my day, I think we all understood very clearly what our role was, which was to formulate policies in the best interests of, of Hong Kong people those were then considered by at senior levels and ultimately by the executive council and and the governor decisions were taken and it was then our job to implement them i really don't think that civil servants here can be expected to look over their shoulder as to what the implications might be for china for mainland china because hong kong is at the end of the day a very very small part of the country And civil servants have been told their responsibility is to our basic law, the mini-constitution. Most of them, I suspect, are not thoroughly familiar with the Chinese constitution, and nor nor should they need to be, with respect.
0: South Korea's daily call to a jointly run liaison office in North Korea has gone unanswered for the first time. The break came days after North Korea said it would pull out of the inter-Korean liaison office, located in the North Korean border city of Kaesong. The agency was set up to reduce tensions between the two nations, part of an agreement signed by leaders Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un in 2018. RTHK's correspondent in Seoul, Frank Smith, told anna Marie Evans a later call was picked up, but that doesn't diminish the significance of its happening between Pyongyang and Seoul.
7: They actually make two calls each day between the two parties at the liaison office. And the second call at 5 p.m. was answered by North Korea. I don't think this diminishes the significance of what we see happening between the two Koreas, however, and there's a very interesting backstory to this as well. The criticism that came to South Korea regarding the leaflets being flown over North Korea has uh, cropped up as an issue. Uh, Kim Yo-jong, that's Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, his sister, Kim Yo-jong, harshly criticized South Korea several times and the defectors calling them, you know, human scum in reports from North Korea's state media several times um, over the past week. And this, analysts say, has shown her elevation within the party hierarchy. If we go back and we remember what happened when Kim Jong-un was supposedly sick or gravely ill, that turned out not to be true, we were uh, reporting widely on who might be the next leader of North Korea. At that time, I interviewed the Sejong Institute's Yi Lee Song-hyun, and he said, if we see her achievements being praised and propaganda about her character being developed in the North Korean media, then that means that, you know, the game of the throne, as he put it, is over, and Kim Yo-jong is the chosen one. So while this, you know, tit-for-tat goes on between North and South Korea, it's Kim Yo-jong that is the front person. Or North Korea. And again, we can see her status uh, elevated here. I also spoke uh, this week to Park Sang-hak, who's the person who's sent many of those leaflets, and he's incensed at what the South Korean government is doing to consider a law banning these leaflets, uh, which have, has brought about, I believe, this sort of you know, miscommunication at that uh, liaison office.
6: Well, you've got several things there. First of all, if we go to the return to the phone call, so generally this, this liaison involves uh, two phone calls a day usually, um, or otherwise, yeah. or rather there would be one phone call, um, uh, or, or do they actually do two? And and why do you think that the first time they didn't pick up?
7: I do think this, uh, this has, you know, is developing ongoing, um, you know, call it, minor crisis, mini-crisis between North and, and South Korea um, at this time, and it, I believe it is connected to the leaflets that were flown over North Korea in late May by Park Sang-hak. Um, Kim Yo-jong came out and, and denounced the South Korean government over it, and again, they've ha- also had several rallies in North Korea, including gaesong that's the location of the la- liaison office, just on June 7th. So, again, I believe that these these are related and also related, again, to the Kim Il-jong uh, status within uh, North Korea's uh, ruling dynasty.
0: There are newspaper reports that the American justice authorities are trying to force the Queen's second son, the Duke of York, to give evidence in the case of the convicted paedophile Jeffrey Epstein. So what exactly has been reported? The BBC's royal correspondent, Johnny Diamond, has the details.
8: They are reporting that the US Department of Justice has put in what's called a mutual legal assistance request to the Home Office here in Britain that would effectively force Prince Andrew either to give a written or oral statement, and if he refused to do that, then to go to a magistrate's court and face questions from the US. And whilst we, the BBC, don't have confirmation that this has come from the Department of Justice, other outlets are reporting uh, confirmation from the Home Office that the mutual legal assistance request has been received by the Home Office and is now up for consideration. He has previously said he will talk to any appropriate legal authorities. And there's a bit of a sort of back and forth over quite how much cooperation he has or hasn't given. You know, there are fishing expeditions. Um, We know there are fishing expeditions in big cases in the US. You have self aggrandizing public officials who wish to make a name for themselves by reeling in big fish without proper legal reason. That might be one reason why Prince Andrew's people say that he doesn't want to turn up on what they might think of as a fishing uh, expedition. At the same time, there are lots and lots of questions about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, what he knew about Jeffrey Epstein's relationship with a whole host of very young women and girls that remain unanswered um, as far as we understand. It's not that they believe that he himself has committed crimes but that he is either a witness to crimes or has knowledge about crimes that may have been committed. That he can shed light on actions carried out by Jeffrey Epstein and of course his associates.
0: Finally tonight, after ten years, five deaths and countless arrests, a massive hunt for one million US dollars in treasure has apparently finally been solved. With only a riddle as a guide, it seems Forrest Fenn's treasure chest, which was hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains in the US, has finally been found by an unnamed man. Tom Trowbridge is the news director with KSFR Santa Fe Public Radio.
1: Well, Forrest Fenn is a famed art and antiquities collector here in Santa Fe, and uh, Forrest uh, decided to hit a treasure, uh, a a bronze chest with uh, uh, gold and silver and other uh, valuable items worth uh, between $1 and $3 million, depending on who you talk to. Uh, And uh, he gave uh, uh, folks, uh, he hit it in the wilderness here, and decided to give folks a chance to go find it, uh, with uh, the only clue being a poem that, uh, that was written, that he wrote. Some five people died looking for uh, this treasure uh, over the years, at least according to various reports. And finally, 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 the chest uh, has been located a few days ago, and apparently a, a photo was sent to Forrest uh for confirmation that indeed it was found. I think the identity is coming. Uh, this is all just kind of uh, uh, teasing us all. I think we'll find out some more details as we go along. But uh, about uh, three years ago, he told the local newspaper here, the Santa Fe New Mexican, that the uh, the chest in question weighs some 20 pounds and its contents weigh another 22 pounds. And uh, yeah, he said he delivered the chest to its hiding place over two separate trips by himself. Uh, and even Forrest Fenn is, is now saying that He's kind of sad. It's uh, kind of halfway sad. It's over, and halfway glad. It's over. According to sources, 350,000 people ended up looking for this chest.
0: Those stories were part of the news wrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Steve Dunthon from our newsroom. Provisional
2: registers and the emissions lists were released on the first of June. Check your particulars on voterinfo.gov.hk. Electors who receive reminding letters from the Registration and Electoral Office for confirmation of electors' status should reply by the 25th of June by post, email or fax. Reply if you receive a letter and check your particulars now. For inquiries, call 2891-1001. Live across Hong Kong, this. Is Radio Three January to December we'll have moments to
3: read.
0: Welcome to Nostalgia from now until 1am with yours truly, Ray Codero. We bring you only the best music from this side of heaven.